Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Rocco. And this is episode 21 of Destination Linux. Hi, Rob. Hello, Rocco. How you doing, buddy? Well, Rob, I think I have decided that I am going to switch from gnome <laughs> i know that may come as a shock to you wow switching and all but uh wow i don't know i've been having this issue and i talked about it last week where it hesitates and i just can't seem to get rid of it so now when you say hesitates what's it uh, what's going on there are you like when you go into the file manager or something or well i thought it was only when i would go up and like hit the power options where if I hit the power options, the menu that comes up, it takes about 15 seconds for it to come up. And I thought it was only that, but I've been noticing more and more that when I go to log in, when I come up to the login screen before I can actually put in my password, it hesitates for 15 seconds and various times throughout using it, including in the file manager, it'll just, just act like it's like I'm doing nothing. It'll just say, laugh at me when I try to do something, and I'll click. Uh, and there'll be nothing there, you know. And so, I don't know what's going on with it. it. It may even have something to do with my hard drive, but I got to find out. So, and the only way to find out is to switch. <laughs> well, well, I've got to ask then. So, what's the desktop you're going to switch to? Well. I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're not going to be installing. What am I not going to be installing, Rob? You're not going to be installing a Pricity OS. We'll get to that in a minute. Yep. Uh, no, I'm not going to be installing a Pricity OS. But what I did do, uh, I revisited, you know, there's news that Cinnamon 3.4 came out, and I revisited Cinnamon by installing it on this GNOME install, and, man, I'll tell you what, you know, I've always had a soft spot for Cinnamon because when I started in Linux, I started on KDE and I switched over to Cinnamon pretty early and used it for a while. But the extensions and the way they were, it just wasn't set up right and they would break everything and, oh my gosh, it was it was kind of a mess. But I used it long enough to enjoy using it. it had at the time when i started using it it had way more options than most other desktop environments did yes yeah and it, it looks nice so since then i have tried it on apricity and and other distributions but it, i've never really it was always sluggish and everything i installed it on here and i booted into it and it wasn't sluggish at all. Um, I have to say, like, if you turn off some of the animations and everything, everything just pops up. I'm not saying it's for everybody. I just, um, no, I'm not switching to Cinnamon. But I did want to say that I did try it out, and it looks <laughs> nice. But I'll probably go back to KDE. So you think then it certainly was the GNOME desktop, because once you added Cinnamon on there, you were not getting the lagging... I wasn't getting the lagging in the actual system when it's running. I'm still okay. getting the the lag at the login manager. I don't know if, what that has to do with, but I'm still getting that. Okay. Okay. Well, you'll have to keep us posted, man, and hopefully... Uh, so, 
so you think event you think excuse me not eventually but you think ultimately it's back to kde it's always back to kde <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true that's true what am i saying look what am i saying look i well, have Rocco, tried them all man but yeah yeah eventually well and we will KDE. continue to do that that's right that's right well rocco i know you know we never have taps music when we need it uh i have it rob i just don't one... have it on me right now <laughs> when we need it that's that's right but this one surprised me. I got to say, um, Apricity OS is no more. So they're going to cease development. And I liked Apricity. You know, I was, when I first discovered that, hey, I'm really getting into these Arch based distros, then, you know, what do you do? Well, you try every Arch based distro out there. Yep. So, so, and Apricity was one of those. And its uh, mainstay flavor was the GNOME desktop. And then they came out with a Cinnamon desktop version. And I tried both, and what I discovered was, uh, in the looks department, very nice. It was well done, put together well, the theming and everything that they had in place. But what I discovered was is that I would wind up a little bit like Manjaro, where I'd get you know, four or five days into it and start to notice issues. Yep. Did you have the same experience? Yep. Well, I'll tell you what. I installed it, and... From the very beginning, when I tried Cinnamon, like I said, it was it was pretty sluggish. It was a it was a bad experience on Cinnamon. When I installed the GNOME edition, the first time it worked great and it looked really good. I loved the fact that they had the the ICE browser working completely yep. in there, where you could put apps in and stuff. That was like one of the the main features of it. But eventually, you're right. It, it ended up being kind of like Manjaro where it works great at the beginning and then after a while it's just things start to fall apart now whether that's from Manjaro or Apricity themselves or whether that's from Arch I don't know right but right. either way some things would go wrong I can say that that happens way less on say Intergus yes I would agree with that hate to see it go uh, but you know that's the world we're in where new distros come on the scene and you know then other distros just kind of dwindle down and, and eventually die out so but wish wish those developers the best maybe they'll wind up in other cool projects or something like that well they said on the official announcement like all good things the Pristity os must come to an end we hope that your time using the oper our operating system has been enjoyable and that you continue to explore using linux in the future but unfortunately we no longer have time for its required upkeep. and Lack of time. I can surely appreciate the lack of time aspect. Absolutely. Yep. All right, Rob. So on to a little bit more happier news. <laughs> KDE Plasma 5.9.5 is coming to Kubuntu. So if you have the backports enabled right now, I believe it's up to 5.9.4. Uh, but they will be adding 5.9.5 to the backports, and you'll be able to install that on 17.04. So I think it's the first time that I remember Kubuntu, even using the latest Kubuntu, was on par with the latest release of Plasma. Usually they're a step or two behind. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I'm happy to see it. I recently did a video on Kubuntu, and it was good to see that things were 
more updated, Rocco, because really um, – uh, Katie Neon kind of pulled away from Kubuntu. Uh, they did. And <laughs> if people ha- people asked me, you know, hey, which one would you recommend? I mean, I always recommended Neon over Kubuntu. I may have to yeah. look at Kubuntu more closely now and see if that's changed. Well, my install went well. It ran very well. Um, I was happy to see the updates, and it didn't seem as buggy. I mean, Kubuntu was pretty buggy there for a while well that's one of the reasons why i have people well i don't have them steer clear of kubuntu but you know i tend to recommend neon or or something else over kubuntu because it's always been that way for me it's and i hear people and i think uh michael tonnell was one of them where you know he had said kubuntu's never been buggy for him or and maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong on who said it but regardless i've had people say to me in the past oh i run kubuntu and it's no big deal no problem and i have no bugs right for me it's always been the buggy where things just close on you they crash on you you know just yeah and i'm not putting them down i'm just saying and i believe partially that has to do with the fact that they were always on the older versions of plasma so that's why i say maybe now it'll be different with them being on the latest well and i think it helped them for sure because like i say my experience was much better uh this time around and so yeah i think that hey going to be going back to KDE. Maybe you should give that one a shot. Maybe I should. <laughs> Before I switch, maybe I should. Yeah, well, we've got some even happier news, in my opinion, Rocco, and that is a new release to the Revenge family. Uh, Jody James has released K-Revenge. I love it, dude. It was it's awesome. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, I think so, it's absolutely awesome. So going back many months, how many times would we say to Jody? I know he got sick of it, but how many times would we say to Jody, man, if you ever came out with a KDE version? I'm telling you. <laughs> we gave him such a hard time about it. <laughs> and here it is. Our dream has come true. Our dream has come true. And so it was released last night, the official release. Yep. Uh, Jody was kind enough to send me kind of a test release. Mm-hmm. And so I ran that for about 12 hours, and then he had the final release. And so just thrilled with it and on my system now and just released a video on it, actually, uh, early this morning. So what's your take on it? Really happy. Really happy with it. And I'll tell you, there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, um, you know, it's got the revenge tools. Right. So uh, that made for easy setup on a lot of things. But, uh, you know, just a few small things. You know, we're not hard to please, Rocco, around here. <laughs> sometimes, the, sometimes the smallest things, you know, make us really happy. Yep. Well, by default, Caden Live was installed. Imagine you know, that. Which was awesome. Yep. HTOP was there, you know, things like that. And a lot of the K apps are there. Now, I don't use all of the K apps, but I think what Jody was looking for was a good mixture of, hey, this is KDE focused, yep. so let's make it so. So he's put, you know, lots of K apps in there. Not not everything you could put. I mean, there's so many K apps. You know, you could have a a four gig ISO. Yeah, you would. If you put them all in there, you would have way too many. 
Yeah, but it's fast. It's responsive. The theming is in in keeping with the Revenge series with mm-hmm. the grays and the reds. You know, it looks good. And the way he's got the panel set up, and he's using you know the simple app launcher, which is what I use and like. And um, so far, really happy with it. So I have a feeling it's going to be on here for a while, uh, on my system for a while. Well, I downloaded the link for the uh, pre-release and used, put it on the live, uh, put it on the USB and booted into it live and looked around and it looked, man, that installer, you know, you know, OB Revenge looks good, okay? Yeah. But yeah. that installer using the Plasma desktop looks absolutely <laughs> fabulous, dude. <laughs> well, I know I'm partial and you're, you're partial, but... I'm going to say this. Okay, so the Mate Revenge just came out, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Very nice. But, dude, KDE is like, to me, this is to me, this is just me talking. It's like it was meant to be. Yes. That's the way I feel about it. It was meant to be. It feels meant to be. It just, it acts meant to be. That is exactly perfect words for what that what I was looking at when I'm watching this install and everything. And it was like, that's exactly the way it was meant to look. It was awesome. Well, even from the theming side, he didn't have to do a lot there. He went in with the breeze dark, yep, which matches the look, you know, all the dark themes perfectly for the Revenge series. Yep. And, so well, really, the breeze dark theme overall does a great job at being cohesive through the whole operating system even the gtk apps look good in the breeze dark theme it's when you switch from the breeze dark or the breeze that you know things can get a little goofy with kd but the breeze dark theme itself is a beautiful theme Okay, well, forget what I said earlier. Skip right over Kubuntu and just just go ahead and go to. Well, I was going to say, but I was I was going to say, but I figured I'd wait till here. But I might be trying K Revenge as my main one. So yeah, yeah, just skip right over Kubuntu right now. Sorry, Kubuntu. But, Sorry, uh, <laughs> there's a new fleet yeah. in town. But definitely, uh, definitely impressed with it. And here's the other thing too. So if you take a look at the original OBR, and if you just think back a couple of months back, the last time you installed OB Revenge with the um, OpenBox OpenBox desktop, there were a lot of settings that were redundant. And with each progressive release of OBR and now uh, Mate Revenge and now K Revenge, especially in K revenge there there are no like redundant settings in place he's got his tools in place mm-hmm. okay uh you know uh iso uh k um, usb tool yep. that kind of thing is all there but there's and then you just would go right into your traditional kde settings so in Which a way immense. it can be immense that's right so in a way it can be as simple as you want it to be because You've got the K Revenge tools in place to help you set up, you know, your your drivers, mm-hmm. uh, kernels, yep. um, you know, things like that, uh, codecs. So you know, you could go in there and then go into the um, K Revenge Software Center where you could get primarily what you know, browsers, your Office suite, things like that. And you wouldn't have to spend a lot of time really doing anything else. No, it's it's pretty much overall. It looks really good as far as the selections 
are concerned, you know, obviously you're not going to please everybody. It's never no. going to be a distro that comes out that has only installed what you wanted installed. No. But for the most part, it it is a, a good selection of software. So, well, I, I even said in my video. Um, I just went ahead and disclaimer. Uh, I'm going to be thrilled, and I'm going to be really like overhyping here in this video. I'm going to be overexcited in this video. I'm just warning you everybody you right didn't now. Say that it was the worst operating system ever made, and that you no. should never used it. You didn't say that, no. No, I did say if you're looking for a video that's going to knock on this where, you know, where it may be bad or where it's this, this is the wrong video because I'm just too excited <laughs> to cover it. But I will um, I will talk about a few things there. So if I were to say one thing, there's a lot of K apps there that I haven't spent time with, not saying that they shouldn't be there. I'm just saying if I were to do one thing, it may be to go in and check out some of the K apps that maybe I haven't used or just not familiar with. And if it's something there that's not for me, I'll just simply uninstall it. Yep. But um, but right now, that that's the only knock I've got against it. So good job, Jody. Thank you very much. And thank you, Jody, because that is something that we've wanted for a long time. <laughs> Well, Rob, we got other news besides K-Revenge. Um, you know that Linux Mint desktop? I've heard of that thing. Somebody told me one time that it's ranked high on some obscure website that we keep talking about. <laughs> well, they came out with their news. And, it, you know, it's not, um, it's not brand new news, but it is uh, their April news edition that came out on the 30th. And 18.2 will be codenamed Sonya. Ah. Keeping with their names uh, of their listings. So that will be coming out. And it, there's no specific date on when it'll come out. It's usually, they say, it'll come out when it's ready. But usually mm -hmm. they do a six-month release cycle. So we'll have to wait for that. But it's at least announced what they're going to name it. Uh, they've also put uh, Mate 1.18 into, or that's coming to, Linux Mint Debian Edition. Yep. Uh, big changes in Cinnamon 3.4, which is out now, Rob. Yep. Um, I don't know. I mean, I look through the uh, changes, and I don't know if there's anything that like blows me away as far as the changes, except right. for the processes. So they, for lack of a better term, they are separating the processes individually. So when one thing happens it won't crash everything so right. if if you're running an applet and it crashes it may not crash the whole desktop which is a great thing and they're putting Absolutely. this well i mean that's one of the problems i've had with cinnamon i don't know about i don't know how you i mean you're not a big cinnamon fan are you Rob? no I don't have any. You know why I don't have problems with cinnamon cuz you don't run it <laughs> that's right. that's right. Well, that's one of the problems I've had with them in the past is that the splices or the applets, whatever you want to call them, they're great and they add functionality to the desktop, almost like GNOME extensions do, but yeah. they they were so not organized and not tested well that you never knew whether they were going to crash, you never knew when they were going to get updated to work with the latest version of Cinnamon, and now, like I said, they're going to have it as separate processes, and that includes the Nemo file manager. It'll yeah. run two separate processes as well. So there will be less crashing, which is a great thing. Well, recently uh, I watched on uh, Joe Collins's channel um, where he went through and he was, 
you could tell he was really into Linux Mint XFCE. Yeah. And so I watched his video and I thought, man, if Joe is really digging this, I at least need to give it a shot. So I went ahead and installed it and loaded it up and was really impressed with it, actually. It was the best Mint experience I think I've had. Really? Yep. Yep. Well, you know, there's. it's funny because we... we go we're on kde we go to gnome and then there's all these new ones like uh, budgie and and it's so exciting to check all these out and then, but you kind of like forget about the mainstays like yeah xfce and even you know cinnamon goes by the wayside for most people uh because of they've had a bad experience on it or you know they just don't care for it but both of them cinnamon and xfce have a lot to offer people and the people that run them love it and now I'm oh, not, I know. I've not been a big XFCE fan. Okay. And I'll be honest with that, with you on that, but so many people love XFCE and I don't know, I might need to go back and reevaluate and check it out, man. Well, I, I think the reason I liked it so much on, and let me ask you this question. When you're distro hopping, when you say, okay, I'm going to switch. I'm going to go to something else. Mm -hmm. That's it. I got this thing perfect. I got this existing operating system perfect. It's flawless. There's no problems. I got the desktop just the way I want it, but I'm going to switch. <laughs> I, I, I know exactly that feeling. <laughs> um, does Mint cross your mind or not? Never. Linux Mint. Never, right? Never. I'm I'm just being honest. It's nothing wrong with it, and I, you know, I have in the past recommended it to new users and stuff, but it never crosses my mind to run Linux. All right. Well, I realized that too, and so when I was doing the Linux Mint XFCE video, I said something like, "I just realized that for whatever reason, when I'm hopping, it's it doesn't enter my mind to hey, hop on over to Mint," and I don't know why that is. You know, maybe it's because I, when I think men, I'm thinking cinnamon, and I've just never been that into cinnamon. Uh, you know, it's good on ice cream, but <laughs> as far as a desktop operating system. Well, there's a lot of things that go into it. And, you know, like for cinnamon in general, like I ran Linux Mint Cinnamon for a while, and I enjoyed it. I just switched because I was trying new operating systems out. But you know, like I was never a big fan of, and some people will be, but I was never a big fan of the menu, the default menu in it. That was my problem. One of my problems. Yep. But then you yep. have the, uh, spices or applets and that, um, forgive me if I get the name wrong. Sin, sin, stark menu, sin, stark menu. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. it is probably one of the best menus out there in all of the desktop environments. Uh, it just it it's configurable. It allows you to. The only one that has more options to configure itself is the is the cinnamon applet that's called configurable menu that no longer I don't believe works in cinnamon anymore. But that menu okay. you can make it look like any menu on the planet, from a full screen menu to a um, and I think Letscape uh, was the username from GitHub that created that menu, and it was uh, it was a great menu. Like I said, you could make it look like <laughs> anything you wanted it to look like. But other than that, the Sin Stark menu is probably the best one on Cinnamon, and it has so many options to configure it. And that's what to me when you're when you run a desktop environment and you your menu is like one of your main things. People overlook you use it. it. Yeah. 
you know, they overlook it and they say, oh, well, it's just, you know, but that's like one of the main interactions you have with your desktop. And if you don't like it, you ain't going to have a good experience on that desktop. No, you're not. Not not with that operating system. And it's going to be attributed to the application launcher in the desktop. Yep. Not maybe the rest of the OS, but well, and that's why when I started running and I mean, like now, like if I got a whim, you know, well, not now, cause I'm running <laughs> K revenge. So not now, but, but now, uh, mint XFCE is going to be in my mental list because the experience was really that good. And I was surprised by that. Uh, I couldn't see where XFCE has changed all that much. Of course, by default, it's got the whisker menu, which every time I use it, I go, this is, this is really nice, you know? Uh, cause you can set that up with the categories on the left or on the right and go in and turn off your descriptions and man, you can resize that thing to, to whatever size works. Also you know. a very configurable menu, uh, fast, really good. Yeah. Yep. Fast. So, all right. Well, so good updates there on mint and it seems like the momentum for mint isn't going to end anytime soon. And I think with all of the happenings with Ubuntu, we're just going to see that there'll be a further separation there, and Mint will continue to probably grow in user base, I'm guessing. Yeah, it will. And I, I just before we move on from Linux Mint, I just wanted to say that they are adopting the LightDM as their login manager. Yep. So they used to use the uh, MDM, their Mint Display Manager, and they're going to be using the uh, LightDM. And it's going to be a little bit different from the Unity Greeter, but that's what they're going to. And the last thing would be is they have redesigned the Spices website and how they do it, which are the applets that you install. Yep. And it looks really good. And the best part about it is the idea that they're using to... Basically, they're putting it in a testing bed before they put them out. So oh, that they don't break everything as soon as you install them. Like when you used to install spices, you were taking your taking it into your own hands whether or not they worked, whether or not they crashed the whole desktop. And now they're kind of putting it into a testing bed so that they test they the author uploads them and then they'll end up testing them a, a little bit before Good. they put them out into the main system and then you shouldn't have as many problems, let's put it that way. Well, that nothing but a good move there, Rocco, because it doesn't take too many of those bad experiences. Again, not with maybe the operating system, the base of the operating system, but you know the applets, the spices, and you know to turn somebody off. So, yep, good move. Well, Rocco, we've got a story here from the register, and um, <laughs> I'm just going to read it verbatim because it's kind of funny. Mozilla to Thunderbird, you can stay here and we may give you cash, but a cup as a couple, it's over. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. And we'll put a link here because you got the, the guy holding the Dear John letter, you know, yep. uh, crying, crying. So basically what this pulls down to, there's going to be some separation here. Uh, you know, at one point there was discussion of there being a common core between uh, Thunderbird and uh, Mozilla, and now there there's going to be some a divorce of convenience they're calling it. So from an operational perspective, Thunderbird will be acting independently, uh, 
And, um, you know, without getting into a bunch of the politics and things like that, um, you know, there's going to be some support, I'm thinking, or the way they, they discuss it or lay it out here, it looks like there could be some support. But, um, you know, there will be separate councils and separate decisions and everything going on there. And it may be that, you know, they need to look for alternate sources of revenue, too, because who knows how much cash flow will be poured into it. Well, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of, of situations where they're letting it out slowly. Yeah. I mean, that's just the take I get from it, that yeah. sooner or later, they're going to completely drop Thunderbird. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, with them under the Mozilla Hood umbrella, they had the resources that they could use to yep. make improvements to Thunderbird. But as that goes away and they go on their own, I highly doubt that they're going to have the same available resources that Mozilla can put right. together. That's right. And that leaves them in a place where, you know, kind of like where other places are, like a Presidio OS, where it's just there's not enough time and there's not enough resources. Yeah. These these are people that are donating their time to, to run this. So if there's not the money to to help them along, it's just going to dwindle and dwindle to the point where they say, you know what, we're not going to develop this anymore. That's right. Well, and that's the way it is with everything, Rocco. I mean, there's there's only so much money. There's only so much time. Um, and, you know, to, to work all of that stuff out. I would have liked to have been a fly in the room, though, you know, when they had the meeting so I could hear it go something like this, like, you know, you know, we've had some wonderful days together and there was a time when we had so much in common and we just enjoyed each other's company so much. But I just feel like over the years we've grown apart <laughs> and I'm not saying it's you, it, you know, it could be me as well. And, and, and trust me when I say this, I, I don't want us to entirely end our relationship because I think there's, you know, there's merit behind us and all the past history and everything, but I think we just need to be friends. Yeah, pretty much. That's what they're saying. Get out. <laughs> they're saying get out, Rob. <laughs> the, the bag's sitting on the sidewalk. Yep. We'll see you later. Uh, done. It's over. <laughs> so it's all over but the crying, Rob. All over but the crying. Well, on to happier news. We always have those news <laughs> stories. <laughs> Opera's new browser. Uh, their latest release, and I believe it's 45, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have it right in front of me, but they are giving you an option to have direct access to uh, prog- or, uh, protocols like WhatsApp, Messenger, and Telegram. Yep. So you have a sidebar in Opera on the left-hand side, and it has icons for now for Telegram, WhatsApp, um and basically, you just click on it, and it opens a sidebar in the panel, probably a couple inches wide, and you can use it. To, you can use Telegram directly from the browser, and oh, still browse the yeah. websites you're on. You know, I have been using Opera more and more, and one of the reasons is they have a semi VPN built in. Yes, um, I call it a semi VPN because I'm not quite sure it would be considered full. You know, full service VPN, but uh, they have that and uh, controllable ad blocking. And I'm not a huge proponent of ad blocking, uh, you know, because primarily of what we do. You know, I mean, there's there's ad revenue where it's warranted. But anyway, to have this built in because you know we both use Telegram and I use WhatsApp as well. So 
man, just having this all there could be very convenient if it works well. Telegram is is the best messenger out there. And yeah, I like to it. have that integrated in is great. And, you know, you talked about the VPN. It is a VPN. It's just not a VPN for, say, privacy. It's more VPN right. geared towards, like, circumventing the geo area that you're in. So you right. can get to certain websites that may be blocked. I wouldn't exactly use it for privacy purposes, especially since yeah. how they had a what they <laughs> a couple months ago they had a breach in their in their uh, system for passwords and whatnot. <laughs> I forget. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but so, it's definitely got some. You know, look, I used Opera many years ago when before they went to the new uh, back end, and it was like one of the best. Uh, browsers out there it was always on the forefront of all the yep. innovative features i mean they had the magic wand for passwords before anybody had any password managers you know i mean yep. they had features in, in opera that were awesome. pre caching they started pre caching yes. before anyone you know and uh, they've been really good for a long time. Now, you know, people have left since then. And, you know, I think the Opera, one of the guy, lead developers for Opera went to start Vivaldi. Ah. Um, but it looks like they're starting to come back with uh, innovative features. And it may be one to look at. You know, I don't think Opera ever got the respect, not maybe not respect. It never got the notoriety that I always thought it deserved every time I tried it. Yep. Well, yeah. it didn't. You know, you, it was dominated by, you know, Firefox. And, yeah. you know, so it didn't get the notoriety it should have. But, man, I used it and loved it. Yeah, we used to read the articles, you know, the uh, battle between Internet Explorer and, and Chrome. You know, they would be those articles or uh, go way back, you know, where you had Netscape. Yes. And all that other stuff going way back. But anyway, Netscape. I always thought. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> That's a long time ago, man. That's a long time ago. Anyway, uh, but, you know, I always thought, man, just throw Opera in there and it'd blow them both away. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, never did get the notoriety, but hopefully it will now. Well, moving on, Rocco, um, OpenShot has a new release with various bug fixes. And it seems like, and I'm going to uh, probably get some flack for saying this, but the last couple of updates have been bug fixes. And then I'll jump over to use it, and I'm like, well, yeah, we need another update with more <laughs> bug fixes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I had I have the same experience with OpenShot. It just seems like it's not as stable as Caden Live. Yeah. Well, let's go through some of the bug fixes that they have solved. And primarily, I think the last time I used it, it was that I would just get a random crash. Um, but anyway, so some of the issues when deleting, undoing, and then moving a clip have been solved. And then there was a crash on That's undo pretty good or... for an editor where you have to move <laughs> and delete clips. Yes, it, it is. It is. <laughs> and then there was a crash on undo redo when deleting a clip. And uh, the Star Wars 3D title, which I didn't know they had, actually. Um, so they resolved an issue there. And then right-clicking on an unselected timeline item does not fully select it. And then they resolved an issue where capturing multiple digit version numbers was causing a problem. So, you know, and this is cross-platform. This will run on Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. And, I, I, all right, so I, I, I knocked it a little bit. But I will say this. 
I have really high hopes for it. I really do, because a lot of what's built into it is better than Caden Live. Um, once you learn the slight differences in interface and how to do the same things that you would do in Caden Live, some of the things within OpenShot are easier to do. Plus, they have better, higher quality transitions and things like that in place. That's just my experience. It's not as box. full featured as Caden right. Live is, but it has a better learning curve for somebody that's not, if you're not yes. used to using Caden Live and you're not used to editing videos at all, it's easier to pick up OpenShot than it is to pick right. up Caden Live, in my opinion. Yep, agreed. So good good to see those updates and fix it, and time to try it again. Time to try it again. <laughs> well, Rob, we got some NVIDIA news and this may help some people out. So I was actually talking to uh, Adrian and a couple of the other guys last night in the Telegram group and updating to the newest versions of the NVIDIA drivers does solve some issues. So the latest release is 375.66 for the easy for me to say, huh? <laughs> Proprietary driver update. <laughs> now, they have uh, the 378 series as well. Okay, but that's for like uh, the latest, latest, latest. Okay, so, but 37566 comes with uh, GTX 1080 Ti support, which if you have a brand new card, um, yeah. that is something that you want. I mean, one of the things that issues that you run into, especially with the brand new cards, and I have to say on Linux, is sometimes the support in the NVIDIA drivers on Linux isn't the best for the brand new cards. Uh, there's oh, There seems to be more issues with the newer cards than there does with the older cards. So it's definitely a welcomed update. Absolutely. And along the same vein here, um, Mesa 17... Uh, dot one officially released with OpenGL uh, 4.2 support for Ivy or the Intel Ivy Bridge GPUs. So this they are calling a massive update that introduces numerous improvements for almost all of the supported open source graphics drivers, including Intel um, i nine six five, the Radeon, as well as the um, the uh, RADV and uh, ANV Vulcan drivers. So, um, you know, lots of changes there, Rocco, that really they say are going to put it on par with Android, Mac OS, and its Windows counterparts. And that's saying a lot. I mean, that's to, to boldly say that must mean that you're pretty happy with what you've released, you know. Well, you can definitely say that. Whether you can do it or not is another whole story, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm glad that they're actually shooting for that. I mean, that's Absolutely. what it should be, don't you think? I mean, it should be. You should be able to go from Windows to Linux to Mac and still have the same experience with the drivers. You should be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you can download the uh, source tarball now and compile it if you wanted to go that route. Or you can wait a few days or possibly a few weeks for the new Mesa stable branch to land in your repository. So, well, this is there. one thing I found interesting about this whole thing, Rob. Yep. It says in the bottom of the article, <clears throat> excuse me, to thank contributors who had at least 25 commits to Mesa in the past five years, Feral Interactive, who is a game maker, are offering special Steam, Steam keys granting free access to their entire Linux repertoire. 
Rep- hey, hey, repertoire? Hey. repertoire? Library. Library. With Library. <laughs> so, um, Feral Games, they make tons of different games. Uh, and they have a huge library of big name games and they're giving them giving people who have uh did work on mesa a free basically a free listing of all their games and i think that's awesome for a a company to do that i mean you don't find that in in companies today especially in open source where they're just hey you know what you've contributed all this time and effort here, here's this is on us, and I think it's that's great, awesome, dude. That's when you you know you start smiling about the community that we're in, you know. Um, Rocco, I'm going to jump over to the next one too because I want you to talk about the evil HP ways. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a really, I think, cool. Uh, well, now that you're moving from gnome Rocco, this probably isn't something that, well, try it before you jump. I'll try it before. Try, I ju- no, I actually try it did before try you it. Ju- I already okay. did try it. It works. Okay, great. So you can install 24 popular GTK themes with one command using a script. Now this is from one of our favorite sites, OMG Ubuntu. And so basically, this it's called install gnome themes very very original there as the name implies you're installing themes uh so this has got some of the top things what what did you see in there what rocco in your opinion once you install installed it uh a really good mix um they have themes like arc new mix okay uh gray bird vertex breeze i mean they had pretty much they had all of the top themes out there that you would use in right. this in this script and it you basically all you did was run it and it, you just watched it all download all of it now it may, you know if you don't want to take up that much room on your computer maybe this script isn't for you uh, or you don't want to install that many themes you may want to install them one at a time but if you're a, a person who likes to switch themes like I am this is a perfect script because you can you don't have to add 18 different PPAs and go find, you know, you know, this is 24 themes. You don't have to go individually and find 24 different themes to put on your system. Does it all in one shot. Yep. And here are a few that actually, I'm not sure I've tried, uh, Plano or Plano, Plano's uh, pretty good. Vimix. And then you have Graybird, Vertex, and Breeze, as you said. Then of course, Arc and and Numix. Graybird doesn't want to go away, man. I mean, not that I have a problem with Graybird, but it's been a theme. It's been a long, been yeah, around it's been for around a long time. Just it has been away. around. Now this script uh, is supported with uh, GNOME uh, 3.18 through 3.24. Yep. So all the way up to to current there. So that'd be fun to try out, but I won't be hitting that for a while. I don't think as long as uh, I'm having fun here with K Revenge. Right. Well, I, I like I said, I already tried it, so I can tell you it works and it does work well. So very cool. All right, on to our security news, our our crazy news. Okay, so there was a keylogger, Rob. Have you ever run an HB computer, Rob? Yes, I have. Okay, so built into the audio driver of HP laptops. There was a keylogger found. 
And the first time I seen it was on a, a Google Plus page, but there's all kinds of articles now. And looking at the one from uh, bleepingcomputer.com, I believe it is. <laughs> what a name. That's great. Um, it's basically, it logs the keys for your keyboard so that it can tell whether or not you're hitting the uh, forward button or the volume or whatever. And, you know, there are a lot of programs that do that. Okay, so it's that's not a crazy thing. But what the crazy thing is, it was putting all of this into a text file. And it was putting it in a, in a log file. And it was sitting on your computer. So anybody with access to your computer could basically get a history of your keystrokes however long you had it installed. You had it installed for five years. You had a history of five years of key log strokes. That's unbelievable. Oh my! How gosh. long has this been in place? How long has this been in place? <laughs> oh my gosh! I don't. Uh, let me see. I don't know if I can find out where how long it's been there. Um, I mean, what harm could come of that? Oh yeah, we found that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oops. No, it's no. The problem, like I said, the problem is not the fact that it's there. You know, catching your keystrokes because it more or less has to catch your keystrokes if it wants to. You know, if you want to change the buttons or you know. To, in order to change the volume in the four, yeah, I you get have that to part. have that. But to have it export out to a log file is right. completely um, out of where it should be doing. It should not be doing oh, that. No, and, and and if if okay, so maybe I'm too harsh, but I don't think so. But so if it's going to do that, if it's going to create this log file. At least put something in place that says, okay, every so often we're going to delete. Well, no, that wouldn't that wouldn't help because it's going to come back. Yep. Yeah, that's just a bad setup and bad system. It's a bad setup, man. And it's one more thing that, you know, look, there's all this security talk and Microsoft and, and everything, you know, key loggers. And, and here I'm surprised that Microsoft didn't flag this because they're the only ones that are allowed key loggers on their computers. Um, but... It's been this way for how long now, and I just don't understand where where it seems to be that it's people look at this story and they'll just go by and say, "Oh, well, you know, okay." It was. Yeah. It, I heard one guy say, "Well, it really wasn't malicious." Okay, you're right. It wasn't. It probably wasn't malicious where the guy was, where the people at HP were sitting around figuring out how can we, you know, log keystrokes here. Okay. But it's just one of these eye opening stories that lets you see that, man, with the right things going on, with the right hacking, with the right, you can pretty much have everything logged in your system. And it's a scary thing, man. Well, Rocco, we there is some Windows news, but this is not destination Windows. This is destination <laughs> Linux. So to cover much in the way of Windows news, I don't think we should do, with the exception of some of the new screenshots of future possible future plans of a new UI overhaul in Windows. You mean a ripoff? I mean... <laughs> That's right. No, you said it. A ripoff. A ripoff. Now, we could also look at it in positive light in that um, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Isn't that what they say? That's what they say. 
or in this case, the ripoff is the highest form of flattery. Yeah, they're ripping gnome and they're ripping plasma off on their looks, and they're putting them together. Yes, they are, and they're making it uh, into the new Windows look, and everybody's gonna love it, Rob. Seriously, yep. everybody's gonna love it. It's gonna look really good, but just know that Windows didn't, Microsoft didn't think of it on their own. Okay, no. No, and and for for future shows and future videos and future episodes, for the person who jumps in and says, you know, look at this from when from Microsoft, this is awesome. They were the first to do something. This looks great. Blah blah blah. Just remember that it was on this show and that we know where they got the ideas. <laughs> and it doesn't. T- it, any of you out there who have ran GNOME or KDE or XFCE for that matter. We'll put a link for the screenshots, and when you see this, it's going to be immediately apparent, I do believe. (laughs) Immediately, you're going to know where they got it from. Uh, And i got to say, some of the screenshots look pretty good there. They do. I'm sorry. Like I said, (laughs) people are going to love it. The file manager? Did you see the file manager? I mean, it looked like the GNOME file manager with a particular theme that you put in place. (laughs) It did. All right, so uh, they're also going to make available Ubuntu, SUSE Linux, and Fedora in the Windows Store. Rob, why? Why is all this happening? This one baffles me. Now, not to say that I am upset to see that happening. Um, And as a matter of fact, it would be kind of neat to try, I guess, to install it from the store. but I, I don't get it. I don't. But it's almost like it, Rob. It's almost like they're put. They're giving you. It's just don't worry about anything. They're giving you the sleeping gas. You know what I mean? Like we're putting you to sleep. Don't look over here. Just everything's nice and rosy, and we're we're adding all this stuff. But they're really trying to take people away from using Linux. They want people to be on Windows, period. And that is what I think they're trying to do, where they're adding all these into the the Windows Store because before you could not run Linux on Windows, or it right. was completely insane to do so. Okay, and. There are developers, there are a lot of people that need to run Linux to develop software and everything, and they had lost all of those users. Well, by doing this, by adding all this in, they can coax you to, you know, hey, we got all these other apps that maybe Linux doesn't have, and you could still develop on Windows. You could still develop software for Linux on Windows. It's just like on that Windows. sleeping gas that they, you know, they just want you to, don't worry about it. It's all rosy. It's all good, you know? Just, it's very troubling. <laughs> well, I like that perspective. And you just laid out something that I didn't really think through. And you're right, from a developer standpoint, if they can keep you on Windows but still give you, give you enough of so that you don't move away from Windows. But, hey, yeah, you can still develop. That's a great point, Rocco, a great point. It just seems to me that they're just, they want everybody to, even though they don't act like they're scared of, of users using Linux, it seems to me that what they're doing, they are kind of scared of, of users using Linux and people switching away from Windows, especially with the new latest Windows 10 updates and everything. They want to keep as many people as possible on their system. And this is what, this is what it seems like they're getting at, is to try to keep everybody. 
Well, they're making a lot of moves here recently with uh, Windows 10 S, which I think is, I'm going to predict, is going to be an abysmal failure. Um, you know, they poise it as we're trying to compete against Chrome OS, or that's, or that's what people are saying. This is, you know, competition for Chrome OS. But Rocco, it's basically a locked down system. If it's not in the store with Windows 10 S, you're not getting it. Now, you could. It's capable of installing an EXE, a, you know, a third party, but that's all locked down. It's yeah. all well, locked well, away. You have to pay. You, you have, have to pay. pay that's right. Dollars extra in order to get the capability of running other applications on a Windows 10s. That's right. That's right. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen. So. Aunt Sally, who just uses her browser and she goes into her AOL account for her email. Yes. Okay. That ain't, you know, there's an Aunt Sally everywhere, right? There is. And she's got solitaire on there. So as long as it's got solitaire and she can get to her AOL email, she's ha Aunt Sally is very happy. Yes. So she says, okay, computer, computer's broke. So let's go down to the local Best Buy or the local big box store. And hey, here's this computer with Windows 10 S. S, that must mean sport. Super. Windows super. 10 Super. Super, man. This must be good, you know. <laughs> special. And by then, my special, that's right. They're going to try to give it away practically. Anyway, so she's going to buy this hardware, bring it home. And it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be till later that she discovers, oh, wait a minute. You know, I can't install this or yep. this. This game over here that I used to play. No I guess longer I'll have installed. to pay the fifty dollars. Yep, yep. One of the guys in the one Telegram group uh, mentioned that it was a uh, Windows S Windows surveillance. <laughs> <laughs> that Windows surveillance. Yeah, but yeah, it's going to be. It's. I think it's just going to be a failure for them, and that's a sign that they're still kind of grasping at straws for something that is slipping. I think away from them out of their control, the more we see cross-platform software, the more we see improved cloud-based software, all of those things combined, I think Satya Nadella is standing back going, yeah, we need to, we're going to have to make some changes here. Well, I don't know what they think is, and I, and I don't, I haven't looked in deep into it, but I don't know why they think it's different because they tried this with Windows RT. Yeah, and it didn't work. Maybe that was having to do with Windows 8, but either way, I just think that there there's there's like a sinister aspect to it and you know, when you see a computer advertised with Windows 10S now or if you when if and when you do see one, it's not going to say, "Hey, you know what? Your Steam games aren't going to work with this." Right. "Hey, you know what? This isn't going to work with this." That's right. So you I want just, another browser? Tough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can install another browser, but you know what? You can't make it the default browser on a Windows yeah. 10S. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. these things are it's just a sinister type of uh, move, and it's uh, it's Windows. What do you want? Well, we've talked enough about Windows. And again, we don't hate Windows, but when you start to see things in as you said, Rocco, when you start reading between the lines, you said that once you start reading between the lines on some things and it becomes evident that, yep. you know, and for a while they were talking such a good game and I started to think, okay, maybe windows is really turned. Maybe Microsoft is really turning a new leaf. 
and then these other things start to happen. Yeah, maybe they're not. You yeah. Know? No, I don't think they're turning over a new leaf. I do think they put in some new good innovations in certain areas. But like I said, there's always that sinister aspect of it and can't get away from it, man. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, so Rocco, it for the news, man. I think so. Lots of news, as usual, within the Linux community. Rocco, we've, we've had some discussions pre-show that we want to, I think, discuss further and kind of talk about here, uh, winding down this episode. Yep. Um, we, uh, yeah. we are in a situation where we're running out of, you know, like a Presidio OS. The guys that are were developing a Prissy OS ran ran out of time for their normal life, so they stopped making a Prissy OS. And I'm running into the same situation where I'm running out of time to uh, make the show what I think it should be, what I want it to be. And to do that, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into it. And right now, uh, in my life, I am... This, the time bar is squeezing down and squeezing in. So I think we are going to, what do you think, take a break for a couple of weeks? Yeah, I think we're not, we're not ending the show. No. Um, we're, we're just, yeah, I think we're going to take a break here. Um, and I'm kind of, I've, you said it very well, because I'm kind of in that same situation. And when Rocco and I first started Destination Linux, so we had, let's go way back, 20 one episodes back yep. Rocco um, you and I started talking and just through that conversation we said hey you know we we're having all these conversations about Linux and technology and things that we really enjoy and as we started to talk longer and longer we thought man we we could do a podcast yeah. you know, with these conversations so that's how it all began so we're not saying we're stopping right no we're not stopping um, I just think that right now uh, we need a a little bit of time for life in general. Look, I love Linux. I love talking about Linux. But Linux is not the most important part of my life. No, and, sir. You know, my walk with the Lord and my family are the most important things in my life. And that's what I want to concentrate on. And like I said, I love talking about Linux, and I'm not saying that this is the this is the end. I'm just saying that I think I need a little bit of time to concentrate on that, and we may be taking a couple weeks off. Yeah, summer vacation. Summer vacation. We'll just leave it at summer vacation. <laughs> okay, you got it. You got it. Well, Rocco, uh, till we pick up next time, we appreciate all of the viewers and all of the listeners. And, um, you know, we, Hey, we could be back next week if something happens and, and Rocco hits the lottery and doesn't have to work anymore. And <laughs> we do appreciate everyone, all the comments and, uh, we don't want the telegram channel to go away or anything like that. No. And, and like I said, it's not the end of destination Linux. It's just uh, a little break. Yep. Very good. So hopefully we'll be back in a few weeks. Sounds great, Rocco. Well, as always, man, appreciate it a lot. All right, man. We'll see you next time. See you next time.